This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, I'm pleased to be joined on Necessary Roughness with one of the great members of the football community, a great friend of mine, and you could see him uh, this coming fall, NFL on CBS. You can listen to him on the Ross Tucker podcast, Even Muddy Betting podcast. He's just everywhere. A former teammate, as I mentioned, when I was with Washington, a Princeton alum, one of the smartest guys in the business, Ross Tucker. Thanks for joining me. And, I mean, you're all over the place. Podcasts, TV, you're everywhere. How have you have you, have you gotten to this point? Uh, John, always good to hear your voice. Always good to talk with you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for you guys, the people of Detroit, for what I think is going to be a really special season for you guys. And, yeah, man, it's kind of funny because I don't know if I ever told you this, but I grew up, you know, wanting to kind of be a broadcaster. Um my dad, I think I, I think I wanted to, you know, play for Penn State and play for the Eagles until I was like in sixth grade, and then I was a really late bloomer. And my dad's five nine, a buck sixty five. So I did not think I was going to be an NFL offensive lineman. So I think like in seventh grade, I kind of gave up on uh, playing for Penn State or in the NFL, and I just, you know, wanted to be a broadcast. I wanted to like write for Sports, Sports Illustrated or work for ESPN or something. And then I like, I went four years in a row where I grew three inches and gained at least 30 pounds. Four years in a row. Um, so it was, it was nuts. So I started getting opportunities to go to Harvard and Princeton for football. I got a couple scholarships, but I thought, man, if I go to Harvard or Princeton. So I went there and honestly, like you're a school like that, you never even think about the media. You know, it's like all everybody talks about is Wall Street and finance and whatever. So I accepted one of those jobs my senior year. Because I didn't know if anything would happen with the NFL, 
I accepted a job on Wall Street uh, with Lehman Brothers. And then thankfully, Marty Schottenheimer and, and Washington called and they gave me a chance as an undrafted free agent with a $0 signing bonus. And I went there and I don't know how, but I, uh, I, I followed everything you did and the other guys and was able to make the team. It's funny, I made the team. I literally, John, I never told you this. I called Lehman Brothers and I thought this might be my only year. I defer. I deferred my Wall Street job for a year. <laughs> and they're like, okay. And then the second year with Spurrier, um, I was starting all the preseason games, and we were, like, on TV, and we were awesome. So I called them to defer it again, and they were like, uh, we just saw you start, like, against the Niners in Japan. Like, you don't need to keep deferring it every year. We have you in our in our system. I was like, okay. Um, and then ended up playing seven years. But, you know, I, I kind of did a different internship every offseason season. You know, Merrill Lynch, or when I was with the Cowboys, I did Rogers Tallback commercial yeah. real estate company. Just kind of always knowing that football was a temp job. And I guess I kind of thought, well, I went to Princeton, I can do something else. And um, I kind of forgot about media. And then my last year, the NFL had the first ever broadcasting boot camp in 07. And I went not knowing it would be my last year. And I liked it. And I probably still thought I was just going to do finance and then do like the printing games on the radio or something, but it's kind of grown to be more than that. And I'm very thankful. It's not, not your typical job for someone that goes to Princeton. I don't know how my parents feel when people tell them, Oh yeah, I know your son. He's the guy that <laughs> yeah, the football the guy guy. does the press, the press. No, no, it's even worse. Sean, he's the press box food video guy, you know, because <laughs> I post the videos of the, right. of the press box spread. My parents are so proud. I turned down full ride so that they could pay for me to be the press box food video guy. But, um, no, it's awesome, man. I, you know, I'm 44. Haven't had to have a real job yet. I guess kind of like you and don't plan on having it and love doing these games. Love, love everything about it. College, NFL, TV, radio, you know, doing the podcast thing. And it's, it's really, really fun. It's hard to believe that, that this is my life and I enjoy every aspect of it. You knew when we were together how much I love football and I, and I knew how much you love it. And so um, to be able to talk about it, you know, I don't know, either that or coaching, right? And coaching. Yeah, too man, many I got, hours. I got cut enough. I got cut enough. <laughs> <laughs> I got fired enough times. I don't need to do that. So, yeah. nope, I love it. And, uh, man, I, I saw the preseason game the other day for the Lions. And um, I think I've told you this before, but, I've known Alex Andaloni since he was four. We have a really, really, really small hometown. So I'm just so excited for him that he had a good year last year and got the new deal and that you guys are good. And um, I'll just, you didn't even ask me yet, but I'll just tell you this, John. Um, whenever ask, anybody asks me on my podcast or anything else about the NFC, even from a betting perspective, I guess my my typical answer has just been, if there's ever been a year to take a longer shot team mm -hmm. to win a conference, uh, to me, it feels like the NFC this year. And I still think that the Eagles, the Niners, and the Cowboys are, are the three best teams. But, you know, the Eagles lost seven starters, man. I mean, I, you know, they had the best roster in franchise history. I think they had the best roster in the league last year. But seven starters are seven starters. They'll still be good, but... Both safeties, both linebackers, they're still trying to kind of sort out who those guys are going to be. And then you look at the Niners, and obviously there's issues there with we'll just see how good Brock Purdy really is. 
for the Cowboys, I think the Cowboys actually, their roster is probably the most intriguing to me right now, but they lack depth. And I have no idea, none, why they ran Kellen Moore out of town. Do you know that over the last four years, the only team with more points and more yards than the Cowboys was the Chiefs? And they had like Ben DiNucci starting games, Cooper Rush, Andy Dalton, yet they ran Kellen Moore out of town. Now Mike McCarthy's going to be calling plays, which I think is the biggest negative for the Cowboys, all of which is to say I, I wouldn't be shocked if you want to look at the odds. I, you know, I think you look at Detroit. Last time I looked, they were like plus 1,100, and Seattle was like plus 1,500. It wouldn't shock me. If Detroit and Seattle, who I thought both were really good teams by the end of the year last year, and I love what they've added, it it wouldn't blow me away if either one of them made a special run and got to the Super Bowl. Well, it'll be, I mean, if if Detroit makes that special run, uh, I mean, there might be a a gigantic crater because this city is just going to absolutely blow up with excitement. It's been since 57 since there's been a championship run, and there's only been one playoff win. That was in 91 since 1957. So, when you say those things and the national media is starting to pick up on what is going on in Detroit, what Brad Holmes is building her in terms of personnel over the last few years, what Dan Campbell is doing, the excitement. I mean, it, you can feel it. There was uh, at the, at the game against the giants on Friday night, it, it, Dan said this at his press conference this week. He's like, I, I've never been a, in any stadium in a preseason game where an opponent has had to go silent count. That's how excited this fan base is. And I, I'm glad you went there originally because we want to know from outside eyes. We live and breathe this every day. And sometimes we get lost in, in the weeds and we start thinking that maybe our team is a little bit better. Maybe we've made more additions. Maybe we've just fallen in love with some of these guys more than the outside world has. But when you add, next to Alex Anzalone, I think Jack Campbell is going to have a huge impact this, on this team. We saw Brian Branch and his, uh, you know, his ability, his natural instincts. I love instincts. that dude. Love that dude. Yeah, when he was at I, Alabama. I, I, can't believe, I can't believe they got Branch in the second round. You know, they said he didn't have great measurables. And then I'm watching some of the highlights of the huh. game the other night. He is one of those guys. And you know what I'm talking about. I don't care what his 40 time was or whatever, there are certain guys that when they key and diagnose what's happening, their 10 sec, 10 yard, 15 yard burst to the ball is way faster than they would ever time in a 40 or a 10. I mean, he had a couple where he looked like he was shot out of a cannon. And the other thing that jumps out to me a couple things, right? The only negative that people had about the Lions draft was that the value of taking a running back at 12 and a linebacker at 18. But nobody, literally nobody, that I talked to, and I talked to a bunch of teams, every single person unanimous thought Gibbs and Campbell and Branch were awesome football players, and LaPorta for that matter. Like, the only negative they would say about him is, 
well, I wouldn't take a linebacker that high off the ball guy, or I wouldn't take a running back that high, which is interesting. And, and I guess I understand where they're coming from. But if every single person agrees that they're awesome football players, isn't that like what you're, isn't the goal like to try to add awesome football players to your team? And that's the other thing that jumps out to me about the Lions. When's the last time they had this much depth? You know what I mean? Like, when's the last time you look at linebacker and it's like, well, Barnes is pretty good. Rodriguez is pretty good. But I don't think either one of those guys is going to start because I think it'll probably be Anzalone and Campbell. But they, they have really good backups. You look at the same way in the secondary, like with what Branch is doing, what that enables them to be able to do with Gardner Johnson. They obviously have the depth on the edge rushers. I mean, they got a bunch of guys there now which is crazy, Aiden Hutchinson, and then the Kaminsky guy, sometimes on tape, I, I think it is Aiden Hutchinson. It's like they're twins, and then Pascal and, and all the guys they got there, Houston last year, and even on the offensive line. Like, you know, they, they just cut Stenberg recently, right, John? Yes, they did. Okay, so they cut Stenberg, right? The Bears grab him right away. Like, the Lions are now uh, at the point where they cut a guy – and, like, the Bears are the first team in the claiming order, and they claim them right away. Like that's, where the, that's where the Lions roster is now, where other teams want to get guys that the Lions cut. just feels like it's been a while since that's the case. So um, I think the hype is warranted. I do think, you know, it's a little bit different, maybe a lot of bit different, being sort of the favorite as opposed to the underdog and coming out of nowhere. And I'll be really curious to see how, how the Lions handle that aspect of it because they're pretty much universally the favorite to, to win the NFC North. And I, I can't, I mean, you have to tell me, I can't remember the last time the Lions went into a season the favorite to win that division. Well, uh, they haven't won it since they reclassified it as the NFC North. They just, it, it hasn't been a part of, this organization has been 30 years since they've won a division. And so when you're talking about that, the opportunity, that's why, Hey, this is the first season since Rod Wood, the president of the team came on our show the other day and he announced that they had sold out their season tickets. It's the first time at Ford field. They'd never done it at, at when they were at the Silverdome, and they, they tried to go back as far as they could at their records. And they don't know that they've ever sold out their season tickets before. And it's all because of the excitement of you you might host a playoff game. You win a division, you're going to host a playoff game. If you win a playoff game, you will double the amount of playoff wins that you've had since 1957. And so... Well, and it's unbelievable to me. Um, I just think Lions fans are incredible. Like, you know, people talk about like Steelers fans and Packers fans. And what I always say, John, is, yeah, because they win all the time. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they have great fan bases, but they win all the time. The fan bases that I am, like, in awe of, in awe of, are, like, the Lions and the Browns. I mean... (laughs) The AFC version of the Lions. Yeah, I mean, they, they... Those teams have given their fans almost nothing to cheer about for, like decades and yet you guys are still so loyal it's just like really really impressive like 
I mean, there have been years back when I was on satellite radio where I would say on the radio, like, all right, I'm officially giving permission to Lions fans to switch teams. Like, it's, I'm, I've had it, and you guys have had it. Like, you can, and everybody, nope, not doing it. We're not switching teams. That's our team. We're Lions fans. Really, really pretty awesome. Well, can you imagine, all right, for the Browns, right? They There's a lot of similarities between the Lions and the Browns, and that's why we joke about, hey, they're the Lions of the AFC. But the Lions never had to go a year, two years, three years, four years without their football team. Their team actually up and left, came back as an expansion team, and now it's like they never were never gone. Their fans were right there welcoming them with open arms. So, I mean, you're right. It's 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 been a labor uh, for a long time, and now that things are starting to look up, and I do want to ask you a couple of things in regards to how Brad Holmes has constructed this roster. You mentioned the fact that they took Jameer Gibbs. Uh, you know, at number 12 overall, they took Jack Campbell, Laporta early in the second, and there's positional value. But being a guy that's in Philly, last year, Jamison Williams, the, the Lions traded Jared Goff for Jared Goff and a couple number one picks. Matthew Stafford goes out, wins a Super Bowl, so that last year's pick was at 32, the one that they got, the first-round pick from the Rams. They traded up. And on the board at number 12, obviously, was Jamison Williams, who they ended up selecting. But Jordan Davis went at 13, a guy that a lot of people wanted here in Detroit. You fast forward another year, and the Lions are picking at six, and Jalen Carter's on the board. And I wanted him so bad, yet they trade back to number 12. Jalen Carter goes nine to the Eagles, and they take Jameer Gibbs. Now, I love Jameer Gibbs. But my question is, first of all, how are Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter going? The guys that we passed on, especially Jalen Carter this year, I'm curious as, as to your take on him. But then I want to hear, what are your expectations for, for Jamison Williams? What are you hearing? What are you seeing for a guy that was taken 12 overall, came in with an ACL, is going to have to spend six weeks on the bench because of uh, uh, the, the gambling issue, but he really hasn't shown anything yet. Yeah. So, um, man, everybody loved his tape. I mean, just absolutely electric. And we're all seeing now, you know, those guys, the top end receivers are getting 20 to $25 million. So if you get a dynamic receiver in the draft on a rookie contract and, most of those guys have had success. I mean, you look around the league, most of these rookie receivers have had success pretty much right away. I mean, you know, a lot of these guys have played really well. You see Justin Jefferson and these guys. Um, so I, I think Jamison Williams, uh, it's, it's very unfortunate. You got the injury, and then now you have the suspension because he's just missing a lot of time uh, to be able to, to really contribute. I think the hope would be that they're good enough without him that by the time he's really cooking with gas, you know, it's towards the end of the year and, and they're about to go on a playoff run. Um, you know, Jalen Carter is just a really good player. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I heard some GM might have been polls for the, uh, for the Bears say something like, you know, it makes a lot of sense that he's going to Philly because of their culture yeah. and because of, all the vets they have there, you know, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and those guys. And former teammates from Georgia. 
Yeah, and, and, and all the Georgia guys. I think there was just a lot of people that were um, very concerned about some of the things that they heard about Carter. Um, obviously, it wasn't enough to, to bother the Eagles, but I thought it was interesting to hear a Bears GM who had a ninth pick. They needed a D tackle. He had a ninth pick, and he traded down to 10 to, to allow the Eagles to come up and to get Jalen Carter, which just goes to show, I, I guess, the lack of confidence he had in his own locker room or the, the, the concerns he had with Carter. So, you know, Carter's one of those, John, and you know this, you're not really going to be able to judge him just based on what happens this year. Yeah. Because it's very, you know, when you take a guy in the top 10, top 15, you really want him to be a second contract guy, right? You're hoping he's a foundational guy for seven or eight years or whatever, kind of like you were in Washington. And so I think you got to wait to judge Carter for a while. My guess is he has a pretty good year. Uh, I mean, the first play, he only played two plays in the preseason game the other night. His first play, he clubbed the crap out of the right guard, club arm over, uh, beats him clean, killed the quarterback. I mean, it was his first play in the NFL. Uh-huh. And uh, it was great for me. I'm doing the game on TV. I'm like, that's his first play, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> that's his first play. Um, he's just one of those guys. But, you know, um, if he has some success, you know, does he, does everything continue to be good off the field, right? Like, does, if they give him a new contract, how does he behave then, right? So those are the things, you know, you, you can't judge – the Lions not picking him just based on this year, even if he has a really good year. You got to kind of look at the long term because everybody knew he was really talented. It was more the concerns that were off the field. Now, Jordan Davis is an interesting one, John, because, you know, he's just not, I don't think he's going to have very many splash plays. Yeah. Yeah, it's not really what he is. I mean, what, what he is is, uh, I think he can become like the best run stuffing D tackle in the league. And, you know, those guys make money. I mean, you think about like DJ reader and some of the guys out there and the value that it possesses if you have that, but I, you know, he's not going to be like Jalen Carter beating guys clean and getting a bunch of sacks or hits on the quarterback. So I'll be curious to see, you know, how Philadelphia fans handle that part of it because I, 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 I get the sense that some of them, if he's not like getting tackles for loss, they're going to say that was a bad pick. We never should have taken him. But if he's two gap in the center and he's taking both a gaps and so they can, they can, they don't have to have an extra guy in the box and they can stop their run with seven. Well, then there's a lot of value to that for, for an offense, I mean, for a defense. So um, I just don't know if the fans in Philly are going to really understand that or get that. Um, but he has unique ability, and I'll be curious to see how often they use him in obvious passing downs. Um, I don't think that often. I think they'll probably rotate in there a little bit, and they'll probably just have him full, full rush the crap out of the guy to just compress the pocket because they're just loaded, man. I mean, Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, like they all had double-digit sacks last year. Uh, Hargrave did. He's gone now. Fletcher Cox. I think he might have gotten double digit. I mean, they just had a. I think they had fifteen more sacks than any other team in the league last yeah. year. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's going to be, you know, if if we get a chance to, to meet you guys at some point in the playoffs, I mean, it's it's going to be one of those where hey, you got to be able to protect the quarterback. And obviously, most people believe that, you know, the Eagles have the, the top one or two offensive lines in the NFL. The Detroit I had line. them one and I had Detroit two. Yeah, so that's, that's when where... When I just did it, I had them one and Detroit two. Let me ask you this, John. I'm curious about this. Because I talked to him last week. I've actually known him since he was in ninth grade because I called his state championship game. Why did the Lions sour on DeAndre Swift? Because he has looked awesome so far in training camp and the preseason games. So uh, here's why they soured on him. DeAndre Swift has a special ability. He's very shifty. He's He can make a lot of guys miss. He can turn a two-yard run into a five- or six-yard run just simply by avoiding that first contact, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield, and you get him in open space, and you're right, he's very dynamic. And I thought going into this season, because it's a contract year for DeAndre Swift, you and I have both seen guys that have had very pedestrian careers for two, three, even four years, then all of a sudden they hit a contract year and they just blow up for that one year. They get paid and they go back to being pedestrian. But for DeAndre Swift, he just couldn't stay healthy. He couldn't, he was, he, we kept looking at this special talent, yet he was a shoulder or it was, it was always something. And even when he was healthy, the Lions felt like they had to have him on a pitch clock or on a pitch count. So it was, hey, it was five runs, it was two or three catches, and you just had to manage his workload. And they finally just said, you know what, hey, especially now that we know that they took Jameer Gibbs, which is basically the same type of running back, we're just hoping that he stays healthier and maybe a little bit more dynamic in the passing game. But that's that's what Detroit's take was on DeAndre Swift. And I have no doubt, absolutely no doubt, that he goes to Philly and has the best year that he's ever had if he can stay healthy. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, um, it's probably not fun, too, if you're the the coaching staff and you have to worry about the pitch count all the time. You know, I don't, I know those guys don't, you know, you don't want to have to be that way. You want to, have to you want to be able to use the guy when you want to use them. Uh, man, he tore up the Eagles last year in the opener. And when they were able to trade for him, I was like, wow, that's all he was telling me. Um, you'll appreciate this. He's from Philly. So when they traded for him for OTAs, he slept on his parents' couch. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that, that doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, he's I, I really do think he's a really good football player. It's just a matter of if he could stay healthy or not. Um, and you just kind of described the, the plight of, of a Lions fan where, you know, you, when you're talking about Jamison Williams and you mentioned guys like Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and all these other guys that were taken in the top 10, top 15 who came in and had an instant impact that's the frustration with Detroit is and, and with Jamal Williams is he just hasn't had that impact. And it's understandable last year, but 
we felt like he got 51 reps in the very first preseason game. So you know he's going against guys that probably aren't going to make the Giants roster in the third or fourth quarter, yet there still wasn't that separation. He had a, he had a uh, one where he was open, had created a little separation, and then he dropped it. So he's got a case of the drops. And Lions fans, they're patient. They do think he's going to be good. They just want him to be good now. Well, that, that kind of surprises me because he had almost, you know, he had a lot of practice time last year. He's had the OTAs and stuff, unless I'm mistaken. And then, you know, to be out there in the second half, I would think as a second-year guy with his ability in the second half, I would think he'd be embarrassing those guys. I, mean, I, I really do. That, that surprises me because I would think that he'd be running past a bunch of those guys. So that would that would concern me. A little bit. I don't know if it's just he's still too much of a, a one-trick pony with the go routes or deep stuff, and, and people aren't as worried about the underneath stuff, so they're just playing them deep, or what what the thought process is there. But that would that would concern me a little bit. And, you know, I know a lot of times these starters don't play in the preseason games. It's very, very different than the way it was for you and I. Yeah. But um, that doesn't mean there aren't things to watch. Like, I, you know... Obviously, Lions fans should be watching the the linebacker competition, and they should be watching Jamison Williams when he's out there. And I mentioned earlier, but the Eagles have at least one starting linebacker job available, and at least one starting safety job available. So even if the starters don't don't play a whole, a whole lot, the guys that are competing for those jobs are. And on some level, it almost makes my job easier because I can really focus in on you know the battles where these guys are going to be playing a little bit. Yeah, and one of the, the the unique things now, and we did it a little bit. I don't know if we did it when you were with us with the with the Redskins, but when we were up, uh, you know, in 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 Frostburg, Maryland, or and and you know what, I think we did it when we were at Carlisle um, at Dickinson College, where we would go and scrimmage the Steelers that up in Latrobe. Um, anymore, especially since there's only three preseason games and starters aren't playing a lot in the preseason anymore, they have the, you know, when a team comes in for us last week for the Lions, it was the Giants. Hey, two two days in a row, scripted practice, but it's a, it's a, it's a fresh body. It's a fresh look. You get ones-on-ones. You get good work. You, it's a little bit more of a protected situation for the quarterbacks, for, you know, there's not a lot of taking the running backs and stuff to the ground. There are some full go drills, but you've seen it in Philly and Detroit's going to take on Jacksonville for two days, uh, starting on, you know, Wednesday of this week and Thursday, and they'll play on Saturday is how much value do you see in those inner squad scrimmages between two franchises? Well, I, I can just tell you being the Eagles preseason guy, um, they think it's invaluable. They did it last year with both the Browns and the Dolphins. They're doing it this year. On Monday and Tuesday this week, they did it with the Browns. Next week, I think they're doing one session with the Colts. And the the reality is, it is a controlled situation in which you're less likely to have people on the ground. The quarterbacks aren't going to get hit. You know, everybody's going hard, but they know sort of where the limit is in terms of going to the ground because nobody's looking to get hurt especially the guy, the ones. And I think the most important thing to the coaches 
is that they can script exactly the situation they want. You know, they can have a blitz period, they can have red zone, they can do goal line. Whereas in a preseason game, you know, you might just go three and out. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't really know what situation you're going to do. So they like to be able to get work in specific situations that they otherwise aren't getting that work in. And that's a big reason why they love it. You know, the Eagles um, Saturday night played in Baltimore, but because they had joint practices Monday and Tuesday against Cleveland short week, they really didn't play very many starters. They did play DeAndre Swift to get him some touches and, and as well as the linebackers and safeties that I, I referenced earlier, but that was about it. Um, and so that's kind of been the way the, the Eagles have run things now is the starters uh, get a lot of reps in the joint practices. The twos get a decent amount. And then the games, they start with the twos for most of the first half. And then the rest of the game, it's the young guys. And they're trying to see which guys are going to be the last couple on the roster and, and on the practice squad. And they feel like they get the reps from the joint practices. Well, it's it's a way – I think it, I love the inter-squad scrimmages and the joint practices, whatever we want to call them. I, I, like you, I think it's, it's a way to – script situations for guys where you may not see, you know, the third and longs with the first group that you're hoping to get in a regular, you know, in a preseason game, but you can script those, you can script some two-minute drills, you can script some goal lines, some short yardage, and a controlled environment so that you can get that physical work in, you can get those looks, and you know that you're going to see them instead of hoping that you see them in a preseason game. And who knows? We might be heading towards a, 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 an era where we don't see any of the starters play in, in these preseason games, and it's all going to be joint practices. And um, But that's, yeah, that's the evolution of the NFL preseason. I do want to ask you one more thing, because you guys have a very young quarterback. You were able to build a great roster around a quarterback that was on a rookie deal. Jalen Hurts took you guys to the Super Bowl or to the NFC Championship game last year to the Super Bowl. Um, Your thoughts on Jared Goff and what he's been able to do in Detroit, especially, hey, coming out of L.A., didn't have a lot of confidence, took him to the Super Bowl, but seemed to get run out of town. Now he, he kind of, locally, he feels like he's rejuvenated, game manager, they've given him a lot of weapons, your thoughts, because he's entering the final two years of his contract. If he gets it after this one, do you think he's a candidate that the guy that the Lions should extend? Because it's really hard to find starting quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I was so happy for him last year. You know, it really bothered me towards the end of his time in L.A. how everybody made it out to be like he was some terrible quarterback. Like the guy. There's a reason why they went to the Super Bowl. There's a reason why, you know, he got the contract he did with the Rams. I just think it's hilarious that when the Rams were having all that success with him, it was McVay, 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 McVay. And then as soon as the Rams didn't have as much success as they wanted, it was all golf's fault. Well, it it can't be both ways. Like, you can't give McVay all the credit and golf all the blame. But that's the narrative that came out really annoyed me. Obviously, Stafford went out there and won the Super Bowl, which just kind of reinforced things. I just think golf is really mentally tough to stay the course, play the way he did last year, play the way he did last year, even though the Lions got off to a really bad start. 
You know, I mean, it was like people were already saying, who are the Lions going to draft a quarterback? And will Campbell get fired? And I just think Jared Goff is a lot more mentally tough than he gets credit for. I suspect he'll have a really good year. I think he's a top 15 quarterback in the league. And I think if you have a guy like that, you extend him. I mean, you keep him because, man, if you if you have a top 15 quarterback, you got a shot. If you got a bottom 10, you're, you're out of luck. Well, uh, Ross, I, I really appreciate your time. Again, I, Ross Tucker's joined me today on Necessary Roughness. You could catch the Ross Tucker podcast or the Even Money Betting podcast. Um, you mentioned the odds for the Detroit Lions. I think they're a great value. I know a lot of people are jumping on on you know putting some money down on the Lions. Who is your odds-on favorite? If you had if you had smart money, where are you putting your smart money? to, you know, for an NFL championship, a Super Bowl championship this year? Uh, You know, I had to do these picks the other day, and I went with the Bengals and the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Uh Um, But, man, it could just as easily be San Francisco or Dallas in the NFC and the AFC. You know, I I think the biggest reason why I didn't pick the Chiefs is because it's so hard to repeat. You know, I mean, it's been 20 years. So it feels like, to me, uh, the Bengals were right there. I'm so impressed by Joe Burrow. I mm. mean, just blown away. I mean, he, he's the closest thing we've seen to Peyton Manning since Peyton retired. He's just so smart, so calm. So I kind of like the Bengals um, to go to the Super Bowl. And then, I don't know, that's, that's a toss-up game. And whoever, you know, I, I'll be happy for whoever wins that game because it's one of the teams, it's the two teams that lost the Super Bowl the last two years. Well... <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. I, I, I am with you with Joe Burrow. Um, I think he is as cool a character under center as you're going to find in the NFL. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is great. There's no question about it. And he's, you know, he's got a calm presence there too. But when you look at Joe Burrow, it's like nothing rattles this kid. And it's just fun to watch him go out there, operate an offense, and just make 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 magic. Um, but, Ross, I appreciate you joining me tonight. Um, the best of luck in everything that you're doing this football season, uh, safe travels and, uh, look to, uh, look forward to catching up with you again down the road. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, John. Really appreciate it. Always good to talk with you. We'll be back, uh, to recap next week, what goes on in this preseason game with the Jacksonville Jaguars, as well as the, the two practices that they had. So stay tuned for all your Detroit Lions information and insight right here on Necessary Roughness.